This is the sermon for Sunday, January the 29th. The scripture is Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 to 11. That's Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 to 11. The title of the sermon is Wormwood, Chernobyl, and Signs of the End. Let's hear the word of God. Revelation chapter 8, verse 10 says, The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. May God add his blessing to this reading from his word. People have been asking me about the end of the world. They say, from what I've been watching in the news, or from what I've been reading in the Bible, or for all kinds of, all kinds of different reasons, people will ask me about the end of the world. And it is a good thing for a Christian person to ask about. It's a good thing for a not-yet-Christian person to ask about. During this year of 2023, I plan to preach one sermon per month like this one today, looking at an end-time prophecy each month and how that prophecy fits with things we see in the world around us. Today I'm preaching about this prophecy of a star that fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and made a third of the waters bitter. I have to tell you that I don't have the end times all figured out, all that the Bible has to say about them. And part of that is because I'm a bit lazy about it, and I'm trying to remedy that. And part of that is on purpose, though. Someone pointed out to me once that in Christ's day, many people thought they had the end times all figured out, and then Christ didn't fit with what they had figured out in his first coming. And so they missed embracing him like they should have. And even John the Baptist was like this, that he predicted that Christ would come with great destruction And then Christ came with compassion. And John the Baptist struggled to see that Christ would come twice, not just once, and that most of the destruction that he and the scriptures had predicted would be at the second coming. And so he was confused by the partial fulfillment at the first coming. And I'm going to keep coming back to that this year, that sometimes there are partial fulfillments of prophecies, fulfillments that fulfill some of the details of something and leave others yet to be fulfilled. Fulfillments that yet allow time to repent. Fulfillments that show that we are in a time of God's mercy. And may we lay hold of that mercy. Fulfillments that come with more mercy than judgment. So I've been studying for the past few weeks about this, and I've been surprised at how few Christian preachers and teachers have paid any attention to the disaster that happened in Chernobyl in 1986, and how that disaster had uncanny connections to Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 to 11. Those connections were were not unknown. Even the American president pointed them out. But in the English-speaking world's Preachers don't tend to to focus on this. 
However, Ukrainians focus on it a lot. I first heard about this in a tour video that my dad brought home from the library back in 1999. We were watching a, a man who just traveled from the North Pole to the South Pole, and as he as he traveled through Ukraine, he pointed it. He showed this this shrub that they that they called wormwood, and how it, so much of the the prophecy in the Book of Revelation and what happened at the at the nuclear power plant there in Chernobyl is, is tied to that, that plant called Wormwood, which I'll, I'll explain to you today. Today, when it, it, it's not a, when there's, when there's some amount of peace around that area in Ukraine, when the, the missiles are not blowing things up right there, then the, the Chernobyl no-access zone has become a tourist destination. You can look, look up on TripAdvisor how much it costs in Canadian dollars. About 130 Canadian dollars will get you a nice bus tour and a guided tour by someone who was there as a live witness in 1986. You can go there, and, and TripAdvisor has a little banner at top saying, this might be dangerous to go to because it's a war zone, but you can pay $130 Canadian and go and get a nice tour of, of where this all happened. And if you go there, then you'll see a monument that was raised at the 15th year anniversary. The monument, you, I have a picture of it here at the top of the sermon notes, if you have those. And the monument is uh, a nice, beautiful steel or iron um, statue of an angel blowing a trumpet. And that is the third angel from Revelation chapter 8. Verses 10 to 11. The monument is, is called Wormwood. I can tell you the, the, the difference in how much Ukrainians versus English-speaking Westerners pay attention to this prophecy and its connection to the disaster that happened at Chernobyl. I read two big books and one other small book about this in the past couple of weeks. And one of the big books was written by... Uh, an American who needed translators to, to do all of these things for him. The other was written by a Ukrainian man who teaches at Harvard, but, but he was there downstream, downwind from, from the Chernobyl plant when these things happened. And in the Ukrainian's book, it keeps coming back to this prophecy about the third angel blowing the trumpet. And in the American's book, he never mentions it. This prophecy about the third angel blowing the trumpet seems to either haunt Ukrainians or to motivate them in their fight for freedom. Well, let's come down to the exact disaster of what happened. At 1.27 and 58 seconds a.m. on April 26, 1986, in the middle of a safety test on reactor number four at the Chernobyl nuclear plant, the reactor went out of control and exploded. Radioactive material was scattered over a wide area and then part of the core continued to burn hotter and hotter over coming days and weeks, sending a steady plume of radioactive smoke over much of Europe. It took a surprisingly long time for the technicians at the plant to realize and acknowledge what had happened. Such an explosion was supposed to be impossible. Top authorities were more concerned to get the generators generating power again than with the real issue. 
And for the few who got close enough to look down into the reactor itself to see the nuclear fire that was burning, it cost them their health and ultimately their lives. Well, this, this disaster that happened, this event that happened, accident that happened, has uncanny connections to the prophecy that we read from Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 to 11. First, there is the name. You see that nuclear power plant, it was not exactly in the town of Chernobyl. It's more like 13 kilometers away from the, town, the little town of Chernobyl in Ukraine. 130 kilometers from Kiev. And when that nuclear power facility was first being built, then after long, it was after long deliberation that the nuclear plant was named after the town that was 13 kilometers away. And so it was very much on purpose that the plant was named Chernobyl, or Chernobyl is in Russian, Chernobyl is in, in uh, Ukrainian, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right. And the name refers... The name Chernobyl refers to the bitter-tasting black shrub that grows abundantly there. It is a variety of the plant, known in English as wormwood. And so, a little bit indirectly, but quite definitely, the nuclear power plant was named after the shrub wormwood. And the prophecy says that the star that would fall would be named, would be called Wormwood. And if you check a Russian or a Ukrainian Bible at Revelation chapter 8, verse 11, you'll see that it doesn't say Chernobyl, it says Paulin, that the name of the star will be Paulin. But the connection is direct enough that, that Chernobyl is a kind of Paulin, a Ukrainian person or, or a Russian person would tell you. So it is a... a a direct enough connection for no locals to know that the, the nuclear power plant that burned is named after wormwood, named after the shrub wormwood. The second uncanny connection is how it just burned and burned. The prophecy says that the star would burn like a torch, and that is exactly what happened. The reactor just kept burning and glowing with an eerie colored glow and a constant plume of smoke. It happened on, May on April 26th. By May 1st, it seemed to have burned itself out, and authorities let out a, a sigh of relief. But then on May 2nd, the temperature and the radiation levels began to rise sharply. It risked either exploding again, except a whole lot worse the second time, or it risks possibly burning down through the floor of the, the facility and descending down into the water table, and it was conceivable that it could just keep burning its way down through the Earth's crust, down to about 30 kilometers down is what the, the experts estimated was possible. No one knew how long that core could keep burning. But then the graphite did burn itself out by May 10th. So just a little over two weeks, or exactly two weeks of burning. It burned like a torch for two weeks. So that fits with the prophecy. It burned like a torch. Thirdly, the, 
the nuclear power plant had a prominent place on the waters. It says in the prophecy that, that it would make a third of the waters bitter. A third of the waters and springs of water bitter. So you have waters like rivers, springs of water, like groundwater, make them bitter. When they were choosing the site for building the nuclear power, power facility, one of the drawbacks of building the plant on that site there near Chernobyl was that groundwater flowed very close to the surface. It had to be close to a river. You needed big access to water for, for cooling the reactors. But, but the, the, the tricky part was there in that spot, the groundwater comes up so close to the surface. And there in that location, the nearby Dnieper River is one of the largest surface water systems in Europe. And once the meltdown was happening, then everyone remembered how they had recently seen a Hollywood movie. They, the, the authorities in, in the Soviet Union had seen this Hollywood movie called the, the, the China Effect, or the China Syndrome, I think it was called. And it, it talked about how there was this risk in a nuclear meltdown that, that the, the fire would burn down into, the, into the, the ground beneath the plant and would poison the water and just keep going lower and lower, poisoning more and more of the groundwater. And extreme measures were taken there at the, the accident site to prevent anything like that from happening. And by God's grace, it didn't happen. It didn't happen that the, the waters were poisoned like they could have been. Now, it says in the prophecy that it would be a star that would fall from heaven. Now, a nuclear reactor where power is, is great amounts of power are generated, electricity is generated, it, it's not a star. But long before the accident happens, this place and other places like it were referred to as stars in the Soviet Union. You see, nuclear power was President was uh, General Secretary Gorbachev's hope for revitalizing a stagnant economy in the USSR, and, and he and Soviet propaganda referred to the nuclear power plants throughout the USSR as stars shining across their land. Also, you should know that the, that the nuclear reaction that nuclear power plants use is comparable. It's not the same as happens in a star or in the sun, but it's comparable. They are all nuclear reactions. And at the time of the explosion, the heat in the reactor reached 4,650 degrees centigrade, almost exactly the temperature of the surface on the sun. Not quite, but almost. Now, I'm going to get into talking about things that don't fit, ways that this isn't a complete fulfillment of this prophecy in, in, in Revelation chapter 8. But at this point, I should admit that one of, the thing, one of the things that doesn't fit is that the prophecy speaks about a star falling from the sky. Well, the, the reactor wasn't, didn't, hadn't fallen from the sky, but it is worth mentioning that everyone was expecting nuclear war to come from the sky. And they were talking in that year, they were talking a lot about how the American president, Ronald Reagan, was planning a, a missile defense system that he called Star Wars. Star Wars. And after the accident, 
One of the reasons why the Soviet authorities were hesitant to welcome IAEA authorities to come from Vienna and inspect the accident was that the, the Soviets were concerned that those, uh, those foreign authorities would see the nearby enormous radar array that the USSR, that was, that was the main part of the USSR's way of watching for incoming nuclear missiles. Really, you could say, their way of watching for stars falling from the sky. What do we make of that? And, and finally, I need to point out the uncanny connection of the timing, the timing of this accident, when it, when it came in the, in the year, I find extremely meaningful. That the crisis and when it came was such that it challenged people, people to wonder what they should be celebrating in their lives. You see, it happened on April 26th, and then five days later was May Day, first day of May, May Day, with great parades and so on, which ended up with people exposing themselves to radiation all throughout Kiev and other places. But May Day, five days after the explosion, was one of the two biggest holidays in the USSR. The other was Victory Day, which came on May 9th, when the, the nuclear fire was still burning celebrate victory against, against Nazi Germany on that day. And in between there, on May 2nd, you had Good Friday, which the government discouraged people from remembering or celebrating. And then Easter on May 4th, this is the Orthodox dates for, for Good Friday and Easter that year, but people did remember them. In the midst of all of these horrible things happening, there were people who turned to the Lord and celebrated Good Friday and Easter who hadn't celebrated them in many years. So those are the uncanny connections to the prophecy. Now I, I want to try to point out some ways that the, the prophecy seems different from what actually happened. The prophecy says that the star that, that falls from heaven would make the waters bitter. Well, I already said that, that the nuclear reactor didn't fall from heaven. I also noticed that in all that I read, I didn't read anyone saying that the, the water that became radioactive tasted bitter. The only, the only people who mentioned anything about anything tasting bitter was the pills that people would be taking to protect themselves and protect their thyroids from the radiation those pills tasted better. And yes, water was poisoned, but not as much water as could have been poisoned. And so it seems, it seems even, even the extent of the water that, that was affected doesn't match up with a third of the waters of the earth or even a third of the waters of Europe. But even, even in the story of a firefighter who, who with his radiation poisoning, he was, he was dead, just deathly thirsty, and he, he took a, a swig of of water from a hose that was coming from, from one of the cooling ponds that was extremely radioactive, and it ruined his, his digest, digestive tract, but even in that story, he didn't tell of, of the water having a bitter taste. Other people would have a metallic taste in their mouth while they're experiencing, experiencing radiation poisoning. Some would have a taste of sour apples, but never bitter. So that's a difference, is, is there's never a bitter taste. 
the other most striking thing that about this not being a complete fulfillment is there were surprisingly fewer deaths directly immediately from this disaster than you would expect now I feel somewhat callous in saying that because many, many people and families in the years to come after this disaster suffered terrible things in their health because of the radiation and the contamination that happened. And I might just be a naive outsider to speak like this, but compared to other disasters and compared to what could have happened, deaths were surprisingly less. Now, as, as news was leaking out to the Western world about this disaster, the um, American newspapers and other newspapers started, started saying, oh, there were 2,000 people killed. Well, they were just guessing because they thought, well, if an, ex an explosion like that, certainly there'd be, there would be thousands of people. No, at first it was just one person, then another person, and then a few dozen people died and then then down the road people would get sick and cancer and and complications and die but compared to other disasters and other diseases and other things you you wouldn't say it's a spectacular number to match with how the bible says how the bible says that many people died from the waters that had become bitter yes a lot of people have suffered a lot of people have died but it's not a in terms of cataclysmic major major plagues and deaths in the in the span of history globally it, it doesn't rank up there in the in the top 10 i certainly wouldn't say so a surprise surprisingly limited number of deaths and and thirdly one another way that it doesn't fit with being a complete fulfillment of revelation chapter 8 is that is that this disaster doesn't seem to fit within a series of other disasters. This is the third angel sounded its trumpet. There were other angels before it and after it blowing their trumpets and other disasters happening. And, and I, I haven't come across anyone who, who is able to, to, match, to match up other disasters that happened before and after the Chernobyl disaster that makes it fit with, with um, a sequence if we're supposed to read this as a as an exact sequence that will be played out in that exact order it seems we should um, maybe there are reasons why it shouldn't but maybe these are things that will will happen in bigger and and clearer ways in the time of the great tribulation but for what i've been able to understand um, these are some ways that it, it that that what happened at chernobyl in 1986 was not a complete fulfillment of this prophecy in Revelation chapter 8. So in summary, before we get to the lessons that we learned from what happened, in summary, I find it hard to dismiss this disaster as having nothing to do with this prophecy. There are just that the connections are, are too rich, too uncanny. But I also find it hard to say that it was complete fulfillment of this prophecy, and so it seems wisest to say that it's some kind of partial fulfillment of this prophecy about a star called Wormwood falling from the sky and burning like a torch, making a third of the waters bitter and many people dying. So in some partial way, in some signifying way, meaningful way, that prophecy was partly fulfilled in 1986 in the Ukraine. Well, let's think about the lessons 
that we learn from this partial fulfillment. First, when it comes to watching for signs of the end of the world, we need to be careful not to think we have it all figured out how things are going to happen. Because things can come from directions that we don't expect. When I read the books that were written in the early 1980s about about what to expect of the end, they were all saying nuclear war is just inevitable. Nuclear war is going to happen, here's how it's going to play out. But then instead of a nuclear disaster happening from the sky and from war, it happened from human negligence and from civilian infrastructure and on the ground. So things can come from directions that we don't expect, and things can go in directions that we don't expect. In those books from the early 80s, no one, no one in, in predicting how end time stuff was going to play out, no one was saying, and, and the USSR is just simply going to disintegrate. And the Chernobyl disaster had a huge impact on that, of, of upending the trusts that, and, and how much people were willing to put up with the, the Soviet system. And it all came apart in 1990 and 1991. No one would have expected that this event, this nuclear reactor burning like a torch, would lead to an end of the Soviet Union like it did, and that peace would come from it for a time. And that the seemingly inevitable end would be delayed for a time. Sometimes things don't go in the, in the exact speed that we expect, in the exact, in, in the exact sequence that we expect. We need to be open to that. Things are just going to go the way God intends them to go. Second lesson is that some things in the end times will happen that will allow people to, they'll happen in such a way that they will allow people to carry on as if nothing has happened. So the nuclear disaster happened in the middle of the night on April 26th and, and, and into that day, into that Saturday, April 26th, in the the, the city that was attached to the nuclear power plant there at Pripyat, seven weddings happened. Happy weddings. Young couples getting married. Yay! And people who were filming, someone was filming one of those weddings and, and the radiation was burning little specks on the, the, the film. People didn't realize it. Some of, the th- some of the big things that are going to happen as we approach the end are going to be like that. It just seems like if people want to ignore it, they can ignore it. Go on with life. But it's a terrible idea to ignore it. People were challenged when, when the government started saying, okay, now you have to evacuate. For your own safety, we need to evacuate you. Then, then especially for, for simple peasant people, they were challenged with this idea that, that, what is this radiation? It's invisible, I can't see it. The invisibility of the danger. How do you make people see invisible danger, invisible doom? And some of the things that will happen leading up to the end will have invisible doom about them. 
There was a man in a city who got a hold of his peasant mother in her village, and he said, Mom, go outside and look at the bugs in the ground. Look at the worms in the ground. Are they dying? And she went and looked. Yes, they are. Then get out, he told her. He helped her to see what was invisible to her. In the same way, we need to watch for the signs of the end that Jesus warns us about. Sometimes well-educated officials who had access to all of the true information, and especially in the, in the initial days, just simply did not want to believe what was happening. Even people in the control room at, at, at reactor number four did not want to believe what was happening, could not believe what was happening. Those reactors could not blow up. It was that simple. And there is a lot that has been said about the USSR's failure to tell the truth about what was going on, but all around the world, no matter what government you are under, when we hear the truth, do we really want to believe it? May God make us ready to believe it. The third lesson is that disasters in the end will not be total at first. We read about these, these enormous things happening. We focus on the enormity of them, but have you noticed that they're all limited? As you read through the book of Revelation, they're less and less limited, but they are limited. Only a third of the waters. Only many people die. Not all people. Many people die. They're limited. Not total at first. And it's like when God was sending plagues on Egypt in the book of Exodus. There's always a limit to it and there's always relief that comes in the end. And then how do the people respond to the relief? And if you read in the book of Exodus, Pharaoh continually hardened his heart when the relief came. And so it is when God pulls us back from the brink of total destruction. And did you know that it's clear now that all four reactors there at Chernobyl could have exploded in that meltdown. If things just would have been just a little bit different. All four reactors could have gone, and if they had, then it would have wiped out human life on Earth. God held us back from the brink. And when he holds us back from the brink, then are we like Pharaoh and harden our hearts and say, Oh, yeah, see... Told you it'd be fine. No need to repent. No need to change. No need to surrender to God's will. No, may God's mercy lead us to repentance, not toward hardening of our hearts. The fourth lesson, and I don't know exactly how to, how to phrase this, so I'll just say it like it said in one of the books, that radiation can melt many things. Like it, like it, Melted spots on the film of a young couple's wedding there on the, 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 the morning after the, the uh, meltdown. It fried the circuitry of the robots that first tried to clean off the roof of the reactor building. The robots only worked for a short time, so then they had to send thousands and thousands of, of um, drafted military men up there to clean, the, clean those roofs off. But of all the things that radiation melted, it even melted many people's atheism and many people's disobedience toward God. There's a beautiful scene of a, a, a soldier, an officer working at something, and then he just stops everything on Sunday, and a week and a day after the meltdown. He just stops everything with his, with his men who are with him, 
and someone says, what are you doing? No, we have to stop now. We have to have our Easter meal. We have to celebrate Easter. And he was saying that because something had happened in his heart and his atheism had gotten just melted away by the radiation. Radiation can melt many things, invisible as it is. The fifth lesson, which I, I haven't touched on at all yet, is that God curses those who curse the Jews. One interesting detail about Chernobyl is that the town of Chernobyl, in, at the turn of the 20th century, around the, around the year 1900, it had 10,000 people in it, and about 6,000 of them were Jews, were Hasidic Jews. It was a thriving center of Hasidic Judaism. If you go to New York City or to Israel today and you see Hasidic Jews with their beards and their, and their clothes and their prayer shawls and all these things, then, then this is where they came from. They, they were in Ukraine and Poland and such places. And they moved out of Ukraine and Poland because they were murdered there in so many ways. Pogroms. Holodomor, they were just starved to death by Stalin. The Holocaust, they were lined up and killed by Hitler. Their numbers were reduced severely in that place. There were just a handful of them left when the nuclear reactor started to be built. The Bible describes that God's special people will factor large in what happens in the end times, and God will curse those who curse them. And I can't help wondering if what happened at that place was tied to the evil that had been done to the descendants of Abraham. The sixth lesson, perhaps the most helpful lesson for us, is that often when you or I will, will read end times prophecies in the Bible, sometimes they will seem fantastical or unbelievable or unrealistic. Just, this, must, this seems just fantasy stuff. Well, I believe that God gives us events like the Chernobyl disaster to warn us that no, these things are not unbelievable or even difficult to believe. They are the things that we see happening in human history. And in fact, what should be difficult for us to believe is what we just default into believing most of the time that just peace and safety just, just happen. They'll prevail. Of course there will be peace and safety. That should be the really hard thing to, to believe. Living a life of peace and safety is a miracle. It's just by God's grace. And when we read about all of the, the plagues and all of the disasters that are prophesied to happen as we approach the end, they should not seem unbelievable to us, not one bit, not when we see the kinds of things that happened at Chernobyl. The seventh lesson is that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Literally, it's just because of the Lord's great love that we were not consumed on April 26th. 1986. His compassions never fail. Great is his faithfulness, it says in Lamentations 3. 
Back in, in New Testament times, John the Baptist and many others around him struggled to understand Jesus because they struggled to understand that God would come in mercy before he would come in judgment. And he will come in judgment. And the purpose of him coming in mercy is for us to repent and turn to him while there is time. That reactor was out of control and God held it back from the disaster that it could have been. In the years after the USSR collapsed, KGB documents have been declassified and documents have been made available to show us just how often other terrible things almost happened there and elsewhere. And it really challenges us to ask, do you have any idea how many disasters God and his angels are on purpose holding back right now just to give you a chance to turn yourself, heart and soul to Jesus Christ who died for your sins? And please don't assume that this story about Chernobyl or Wormwood is over. I said it's a partial fulfillment of the prophecy that means that there will be a full fulfillment of it one day, and perhaps one day very soon. Chernobyl is currently in a war zone. And there have been times, and just in this past year, when we've gone to bed wondering what was going to happen there at the nuclear plant while shells were falling around it, while missiles were zipping over it. We are still wondering. I don't know. One thing I do know is that here today, God is calling on you to let the radiation of that accident melt away your lack of faith in him. To let the radiation of that accident turn your heart to him. Turn your heart to him so that you will place your hope and your trust in him so that you will surrender your life to him you will give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has for you. Amen.